0: There is something that happens to a person when they are engaged in a real experience that has a benefit perhaps for other, someone else. There is a sense of like agency, voice, standing in the world that is ex- exciting and is powerful and it makes you question like your, your mental models, the way you see the world, the boxes that you typically have seen the world in.
1: Welcome to the Getting Smart Podcast, where we unpack what's new and innovative in education. Today we bring 10 education leaders to you who our team had a chance to interview at a recent steering committee meeting on high-quality, project-based learning.
2: Yes, you'll hear from Tom Vander Ark as he interviews various education leaders across sectors, some that work in schools and some in nonprofit and advocacy organizations. And Tom had two big questions that he asked everybody what are the benefits of project-based learning, and then what are the challenges of doing it well and at scale? So
1: everyone who's interviewed is on the steering committee, which is a design team of sorts for a project that will set up and send out guidelines for high-quality project-based learning. This is a collaborative effort
2: involving over 100 people and organizations around the world. Yes, and we want you to get involved too. So follow along on social media with hashtag PBL. And soon you'll see that the team will release a first draft of the guidelines for feedback. We'd love you to provide your own insights and ideas, as well as joining the movement for high-quality project-based learning. You can learn more by checking gettingsmart.com and hashtag PBL. This winter and spring will be busy, and we'd love your voice ideas and contributions
1: now let's hear from a few of the ed leaders involved first up rick lear ran the coalition of essential schools northwest center before joining the leadership team at new tech network rick has been consulting with pbl organizations for the last few years and facilitated the steering committee meeting
2: Then we talked to Caleb Rashad from High Tech High, which may be one of the most well-known high schools in the world. It's certainly among the most frequently visited. You may have seen it featured in the documentary Most Likely to Succeed. High Tech High is also one of the best examples of high-quality project-based learning and is well-regarded for high-quality exhibitions of student learning, including books and art film, plays, and all sorts of good stuff. Caleb's the head of school at High Tech High and a leader in incorporating design thinking and lean startup strategies into project-based learning.
1: Then we feature John Larmer, who's the thoughtful and widely read editor-in-chief at Buck Institute for Education. Then you'll hear from Michelle Armstrong of the Project Management Institute, the leading provider of professional training in project management. Their nonprofit affiliate PMI Educational Foundation
2: is the sponsor of Buck's effort to build guidelines for high quality PBL. And finally, we hear from Tony Jackson, who leads Education at the Asia Society, a leading advocate of global education and supporter of a network of schools that offer deeper learning experiences.
3: The obvious benefits are that it potentially is deeply engaging to kids. It, it, it um, invites or requires collaboration. It's prob- probably about something that's more complex and m- more real-world. Um, there are almost always more than one acceptable solution, so kids have to explore a variety of alternatives and options, um, and they learn to learn how to manage um, complex tasks together. What are the challenges we still need to work on? Well, the challenges are to build projects that are both um, substantive in terms of intellectual um, demand on students, um, but also leave room for students to put their own imprint on it, and then for teachers to not only design, but then manage that project. And then in the larger sense, the challenges for parents and community members to see that as um, powerful learning and not games.
0: The greatest benefits as I see it for project-based learning is really about the experience and the journey of the student and then all along the way they're they're getting mastery of content along the way. But I think more importantly they're developing the dispositions of a learner, of a questioner, of an inquirer, of someone that can take vast amounts of research information, make sense of it, do something with it and then reflect all along the way about their experience. I think the second thing that they developed, so aside from the mindset piece, is the actual skill set. The skills of like communicating, um, asking great questions, uh, making connections between different topics and ideas. Um, and then the, the idea of perseverance through a particular issues that's like a work ethic thing. So I think those are like at least two sort of broad domains, like skills around like communication, collaboration, asking great questions, and then the, the dispositions. I think even a third layer, even deeper than that, is around like personal transformation. Like there is something that happens to a person when they are engaged in a real experience that has a benefit perhaps for other, someone else. There is a sense of like agency, voice, standing in the world that is ex- exciting and is powerful and it makes you question like your, your mental models, the way you see the world, the boxes that you typically have seen the world in. I think it also affects like your value system, your beliefs, the unearthed assumptions that people carry. So I think at least maybe three layers that there were PBL in its greatest like aspirational work, mastery of content, yeah, check the box. But deeper than that is around skills. I think deeper than that is like these dispositions. And then I think the deepest level I think is around like the, those issues that are below the surface of the water that are related to your identity, your values, your beliefs, and your assumptions.
4: What's the work left to do? How do we make this work better for all kids? Hmm.
0: So as I see it, I think moving forward, we need to look at not just project-based learning, but product-based learning, where we are literally like, engaged in um, challenges, issues that are germane right now that have an end user. I think if we look at the next evolution of this project-based learning thing, I think we need to look at real, authentic problems with authentic people and bring authentic solutions to those people. And it may or may not work. That's the scary part. And it's the part that makes it real because there's no guarantee that you're going to be successful. But it does, I think, one of the assumptions that undergirds this sort of thinking around like, end user product is that I fundamentally believe that we are wired to care about other people. And if there's anything our founder, um, one of our co-founders, Rob Reardon says all the time, it is about like using our positions and our disciplines to understand our humanity. And I think that's like the next evolution for us is around like how do we use our projects, our experiences to better understand ourselves, our connection to each other, our connection to this planet. To me, that sense of um, humanitarianism, humanitarianism, especially in the Trump era, (laughs) is probably very, very critical.
5: I think number one for me is it makes learning more interesting for students. So many kids are bored in school. Not so much the little kids, but as they get older, school gets boring, and it doesn't feel real, it doesn't feel uh, tied to their own lives. So projects can really make learning come alive. But I lead with that definition, because I think the economic argument is important too, that it prepares students for the world of work and the future and learning how to collaborate and solve problems and think critically and um, project management skills, all those kind of skills are great, but I would lead with the engagement argument rather than the economic argument. Because I think PBL also just is, is life-enhancing, period. It makes school more interesting, kids are more engaged in I mean, they're thinking about themselves in relation to what they're learning. It's not just, oh, I'm doing this, prepare myself for the future, but right now I'm finding this interesting.
4: So what, what are the big challenges that uh, we need to address to make this work better?
5: Big challenge is that teachers have not experienced project-based learning themselves when they were in school, and most teachers teach the way they were taught. And so they how to do project-based learning. It feels very daunting and complex. It's scary, and they don't have the time. The way the American teachers, especially, jobs are constructed, there's not enough time during a day to plan curriculum. And project-based learning requires curriculum planning. It's not just taking a textbook off the shelf and delivering it, which is the way our system is, is set up.
6: We think that as students start to prepare for being um, active contributors to the twenty-first century that they need to have skills that will allow them to work collaboratively with one another and also to think um, uh, more conceptually more broadly and more inquiry based to help them to achieve not only their personal goals but also to make a contribution to society as a whole so project-based learning allows them to um, develop that those skill sets and also a concurrently learning project management so that they not only are learning through the projects in which they're engaged but they're learning project management as a skill that allows them to do that and that's a skill that we believe is going to be applicable and of value to them not only in the classroom but also beyond once they enter career once they transition to becoming active involved citizens project management is truly a skill set that is relevant to what they do every day regardless of the career path that they
4: choose. So what uh, challenges still exist?
6: Well, I think for one, um, helping teachers to understand that just because you're learning through projects and trying to facilitate project-based learning, it doesn't take away from teaching to what's important as far as the standards, the rigor of the standards, and making certain that students acquire the knowledge and the skills that a teacher um, is hoping to um, instill within students. So not seeing it as something extra or an add-on, but seeing it really as a conduit and as a a way to facilitate the acquisition of knowledge to strengthen teaching and learning. um, That will actually be a benefit to students in the long term as opposed to uh, another thing to add to their responsibilities.
7: A huge benefit is to engage young people in learning that allows them to learn and apply knowledge towards an interesting and really meaningful question that they have that's meaningful to them. It can be a global issue, it can be a local issue, but the point is that it allows them to learn in the context of actually addressing and solving a key problem, so that's a huge benefit. It also done well, I think, has the uh, the capacity to foster within a group context equity in the outcomes for young people in terms of who gets empowered, who feels confident in their learning, And who feels as though they're not on the short stick when it comes to being able to express their views and make a difference in contributing to the group. So what challenges remain? Challenges are the um, difficulty, uh, the the challenge it takes to design project-based learning well. Um, Teachers, um, first of all, don't necessarily know um, what constitutes high-quality project-based learning. And then to be able to design the kinds of projects, engage kids, all kids equally well, to produce high quality products is a daunting kind of task, but it's doable, but it is a challenge.
1: You're listening to the Getting Smart Podcast. This podcast features ed leaders discussing the challenges and successes of project-based learning. If you're enjoying this episode, check out Season 2, Episode 27, featuring Google's Jamie Casup on inequality and inquiry. You'll find this on our iTunes channel, along with over 50 additional episodes featuring ed leaders speaking on topics ranging from social-emotional learning to college readiness to math education. While you're there, be sure to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. And we'd love it if you'd consider sharing our podcast with others via whatever
2: social network you use. Now let's hear from Tom as he interviews more education leaders who were present at the steering committee meeting for high-quality PBL earlier this month in California. First up, it's Megan Pacheco, who's the Chief Learning Officer at New Tech Network, a network of over 200 K 12 project based schools. Then we hear from Rebecca Wolf, who leads Students at the Center initiative at Jobs for the Future. Following Rebecca, we have Anne Marie Baines, who directs research efforts at the George Lucas Education Foundation, a longtime supporter of Edutopia as well as BIE. Then we hear Tom chat with Valerie Greenhill, who is president and co-founder of EdLeader21, a support network for school districts engaging in deeper learning. And finally, we conclude with Jessica Wood, who directs the Models of Excellence Project, a collaboration between EL Education and Harvard University.
8: I think the benefits of project-based learning are that it authentically gives students a voice in their learning. AND IT ALLOWS TEACHERS TO DO THE GOOD WORK THAT THEY WANT TO DO. Um, I THINK I SEE THE BENEFITS EVERY DAY AND THE STUDENTS THAT ARE ENGAGED IN PBL ARE um, ABLE TO THINK, um, THEY'RE ABLE TO ENGAGE IN COMPLEX THINKING, THEY'RE ABLE TO EXPAND THEIR worldview BEYOND THE CLASSROOM, Uh, THEY'RE ABLE TO TAKE IN MULTIPLE PERSPECTIVES AND MAKE SENSE OF IT um, AND MOVE BEYOND JUST THE SURFACE LEVEL KNOWLEDGE AND I THINK FOR TEACHERS that can re-engage them in their profession and why they became educators in the first place.
4: Megan, what uh, challenges lie ahead?
8: I think the challenges of PBL are, as we move from the early adopters to more widespread use, is that this is a more complex way of teaching and engaging students, and so. Uh, For teachers that are struggling with basic instruction, layering this on top, or what can be seen as layering this on top, doesn't address the lack of basic instructional knowledge and know-how. So, I think teachers need an incredible amount of support in order to do this well. And the school has to be aligned to support teachers in order to do this well.
9: Project-based learning is one of the best teaching and learning and instruction and curriculum approaches we have to truly unlock students' joy of learning, engagement and learning, and ownership of their own learning. And as we know from the work that students at the center has done, um, that student agency piece is not just something nice we do on the side of learning, it's actually integral to the learning process itself. And as a teaching and learning approach, project-based learning uh, not only incorporates that, but also incorporates some of those deeper learning skills that we're hoping all students will graduate with.
4: So what are the challenges to doing more high-quality project-based learning at scale?
9: I think one of the biggest challenges right now is that most educators educating in our schools today didn't experience good, high-quality PBL themselves. So there's a major mindset shift between the ways that they were trained to be considered a good teacher are very different than the kinds of high-quality instruction instructors that we need for PBL, so that's a massive scale challenge that we have.
10: I'd say for students of all ages it transforms their experience so it means something more to them where they feel like they can be actors in the world, they can make change in their communities, uh, and they have the skills, they're equipped with the skills and the practice opportunities to allow them to do that because it's one thing to just speak about it being important um, learning but to give them the chance to practice it at different scales and different degrees um, with their peers and with their teachers I think is an exciting experience for them.
4: So what challenges do you see to a more high-quality PBL at scale?
10: One of the things we wrestle with, uh, we're currently working with five different school districts to scale uh, an initiative that reinvents advanced placement courses to be more project-based. And I'd say one of the big uh, struggles is first just wrapping their heads around what this is supposed to look like at the end and, and also what is PBL not? Um, and having enough counterexamples, but also enough examples of what it looks like doing uh, when it's done well. I'd say one of the other challenges is doing projects on your own and not having a community of practice that's wrestling with those struggles and not having access to mentors who've done it before, who are experienced PBL teachers. When that isn't the case, I think people are just constantly reinventing the wheel and, and reinventing curriculum. So I think it's really good when they have really powerful exemplars of what PBL is supposed to look like. The main
9: thing for us is equitable opportunities for all students to develop and master the four C's, critical thinking, communication, collaboration, and creativity.
4: And as you think about challenges uh, to more high-quality PBL at scale, what, uh, what are those?
9: I think one of the biggest challenges is how to do this work systemically so that all students have equitable opportunities to access it. And I think the only way you can do that is to implement this as a system-wide approach. And for that, you need a community of practice of leaders to help you do the work. So I think it's not something that can be easily done at the individual classroom or teacher level. It needs to be thought about as a systemic initiative, whether that's at the school level, the district level, a network level. And that's why at Ed leader 21 we're focused on that layer of it and trying to empower leaders to do this work system-wide.
11: High-quality PBL gives all students an entry point into doing more than they thought was possible.
4: And what, what, what are the um, outcomes that they um, experience as a result?
11: So one of the things that we see um, is this phenomenon of students being able to produce really high-quality work. Um, At EL, we have a collection, Models of Excellence, um, of over 350 high-quality projects that all have products associated with them. Now, that can be uh, a really challenging thing for schools to implement um, school-wide because it starts with the point of students really, truly understanding what high-quality work is so they can be inspired to get there.
4: Right. Your colleague, um, Ron Berger, often uh, talks about products that people are proud of for a lifetime. And you're, you're never really proud of a worksheet that you finish, but um, a great piece of writing uh, is something you might remember for, for the rest of your life.
11: Absolutely. One of my favorite students um, from the Springfield Renaissance School still talks about the report that he wrote and read in front of um, the city committee to have our local pond reopened so that people could swim in it
4: jessica what are the challenges to more high quality pbl at scale
11: i think really being able to unpack in a in a strategic and purposeful way what high quality models look like and and supporting kids through models critique and revision to get there themselves
4: great thanks jessica
1: Thanks to all of the interviewees for speaking with us and to Andrew Luck for mixing it all together and making it sound so good. For more on this project, check out hashtag PBL on Twitter and look for additional ways to join in the movement for high quality PBL. For the Getting Smart Podcast, this is Kat. And this is Megan. Signing off.